vaccine hesitancy and vaccine denial would have saved countless lives. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Did you watch this thing, the House hearing? How much of it did you watch? The hearing on the weaponization of the federal government? I started, I guess, the second half, but I didn't get very far. I don't even think I made it to the guy you were telling me about. You were, you said you really liked uh, yes. the Louisiana, Louisiana guy, guy, which I've heard. I heard a bunch of people mention him, so oh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about all this. Well, so, yeah, let's just do the intro. We can listen to it, um, and then we can play Louisiana Guy, because the thing is so long. I think it must be, like, the whole video is three hours, but anyway. Let's uh, let's just do it. Here we go. There they are. That's uh, Mr. Jordan. All right, we got Jim Jordan Oh, yeah, from here Ohio. he is. Jim Jordan... Uh, Representative Republican from Ohio, 4th District, since 2007. Uh, Founding member of the Conservative House Freedom Caucus. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, Freedom. All right. Whatever. Here we go. Welcome to the beginning of the hearing. I thank the lady for leading us. uh, Without objection, Mr. Roy will be permitted to participate in this hearing. The chair now recognizes himself for an opening statement. I recognize myself. On the third day of this administration, January 23rd, 2021, the White House sent an email to Twitter. The email said this, wanted to flag the below tweet, and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process for having it removed, ASAP in all caps. That third day, What did that tweet say? Tweet from Mr. Kennedy said this, Hank Aaron's tragic death is part of a wave of suspicious deaths among elderly closely following administration of the vaccine. He received the vaccine on January 5th to inspire other black Americans to get the vaccine. Now what's interesting about the email that the White House sent to Twitter is the subject line says flagging Hank Aaron misinformation. Now misinformation is when you don't have the facts right. You're saying things that aren't true. But when you look at Mr. Kennedy's tweet, there was nothing in there that was factually inaccurate. Hank Aaron, real person, great American, passed away after he got the vaccine, pointing out, just pointing out facts. And yet the White House on the third day was trying, actually 1.04 a.m. on January 23rd, 2021, 37 hours into the administration, they were trying to censor Mr. Kennedy. I find that interesting. The irony here, trying to censor the guy who's actually their Democrat primary opponent. Go figure. Three months earlier, the FBI helped censor our second witness, Ms. Morris's story. Her story in the New York Post about emails on the Hunter Biden laptop. And we know the FBI censored her because of work this committee has done to uncover what happened and because of our third witness, Mr. Sauer, the lawsuit that he argued on behalf of Florida, excuse me, Louisiana and Missouri, in federal court in a case that they got the 
amazing ruling from on July 4th, just two weeks ago. So that's the opening. But uh, yeah, essentially, this hearing seems to be, you know, about it says it's about the weaponization of the federal government. If you listen to it, it gets really all over the place. It's hard to even tell what it's about. But they have these three witnesses there, RFK, and then you have the the writer who published the Hunter Biden laptop story way back in 2019, I think, and then the original publication. And then uh, you have this uh, prosecuting attorney in the trial against the government about the Twitter files where the, the fifth district or whatever came out with that ruling and was like, the government, I've never seen government censorship to this degree. This is the largest affront on the First Amendment that we've ever seen in American history. It's Orwellian, like that, that case. That guy is also testifying. It, well, there's Emma Jo Morris, Matt Taibbi, and the other guy. They're all sitting there, whatever the other guy's name is. What's his name? Oh, was Matt Taibbi in the background? I didn't even notice that. What? Matt Taibbi? Did you even watch this thing? Is he sitting behind her? No, Matt Taibbi ta- speaks prolifically throughout the entire hearing. What? What are you talking about? No, he doesn't. Uh, okay, here we go. Material you think is true, it could lead people to have conclusions that we don't want them to have, and therefore you should change your journalism because of material that's very important Tybee. for any journalist to know. That is. I think most of these people are I tech executives and they don't know what the law is around. Okay. So this is going to be an interesting this? podcast. <laughs> this is, the, we this is the link you sent me. No. Well, that then we watched. Right. No. Okay. What are you talking about? It's titled Live FBI Hearing on the Weaponization of the Federal Government Jim Jordan on FBI Weaponization. And it's a three-hour and 20-minute hearing. Yeah. What date was that video posted that you're looking at? A month ago. Okay. So that was a, just an earlier hearing. It must have sent you a different thing. But I was talking about the one that happened yesterday for everyone okay, well, you, this I literally just watched the link you sent. I clicked the link and it started playing. Oh, my God. And that was it. Well, so I don't know how we weird. got those wires crossed. Well, good. This will make for a good conversation because I watched the one recently. You must have watched the one prior. Anyway, well, that's the opening of the hearing that happened on July 20th (laughs) in the federal uh, court, or not the federal court, in the uh, Congress. But anyway, so the whole thing is weird just because they go through – They grill these witnesses. It's supposed to be about the weaponization of the federal government. It's hard to tell what it's about. It seems to be about censorship. Um, But then that's also confusing. It seems to also be about the First Amendment, a lot of it. And then, yeah, I just felt like everybody's kind of making statements. We're not really having a conversation. And partly that may be how these things work. It's like all the Congress people prepare statements. But the problem is that, like, it just comes across as really incoherent. Like, it's just, I feel like someone says something and then someone else says something and it's just like out of left field or whatever. Um, well, that's how these things always go. Like any of these, it's always, everything's, the, the, okay, so what made this one actually interesting is that, so it seems like Imadro Morris is, she's the one that published 
the original laptop story. Right. And she, I think, works for Breitbart, if I'm not sure. So she, we can assume yes. she might be right wing. You've got Matt Taibbi, who's considered to be a liberal, left left wing journalist, basically. Mm. I don't know about Schellenberger, but a lot of times... Well, Michael Schellenberger is like a... Uh what would you say, like a reformed liberal? Because he wrote that book, San Francisco, where he was like San Francisco. He lived in San Francisco, but then was kind of openly criticizing all of their policies, especially regarding homelessness. Yeah, so what <clears throat> What makes this interesting to me, uh, it also makes it kind of suspicious, a little fishy, a little strange, is that the it's the way they're playing the game because it, there's it's always like this. It's always like, if they're Republican leaning or Republican sympathetic, whatever, then the Republicans act like this. Wow, what a what a great comment you just made. I have some questions for you. Let me ask you some questions that you can, and I'll just let you speak. I'll just let you speak, and uh, there's no rudeness or interrupting. Then the Democrats come in, and they get to have. It's basically like Republican speaks democrat speaks republican speaks right. and in this case the democrats speak and they're very rude you know they'll say things like you believe blah 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 and then the person will say like matt taibbi would go no no I, I don't believe that and then the democrat will say uh i didn't ask you a question mr taibbi that's not how this works i think you should know that by now okay so just be quiet and listen like that's the vibe it's very, yeah, tense. It's hard to listen to, honestly. It kind of makes you uncomfortable. But that's from both sides, but especially the Democrats. If the Democrats were in the hot seat, though, that's how the Republicans would be acting. They do the same mm-hmm. thing. So I'm I'm familiar with this these like antics. I'll, I'll say this, too. I, I think, I mean, I understand that they believe <laughs> they don't have all day. So each of these people gets like five minutes and they have to get out what they need to get out quickly. Right. I don't want you speaking a lot because I have something to say. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start yeah, doing I, that on this podcast. I want those three <laughs> seconds back. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> it's just annoying. Well, that's kind of what I felt. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't feel like we're having a real in-depth discussion about it, but, uh, yeah, we could continue watching. So it goes on, and um, there's another statement by the ranking member of the Democratic Party. Um, let's get to that. Come forward. We appreciate your willingness to fight for the First Amendment. With that, I yield to the ranking member for an opening statement. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and good morning to everyone. Just have some administrative matters first. I wanted to introduce into the record. This is Mrs. Plaskett speaking. Page 55 from the committee's interview with FBI employee Roya Demlo, who you just spoke about, which took place on July 17, 2023. Uh, In that line, she says, uh, the question was asked, okay, if someone were to leave here today, were to leave this interview and were to suggest or imply that when you said the laptop was real, that it meant that the FBI had affirmatively determined in October 2020 that the laptop belonged to Hunter Biden, that the contents belonged to Hunter Biden, and that the contents had not been manipulated in some way. 
would they be representing what you said, correct? Answer by Ms. Demlo. They would be representing what I said because I don't have much knowledge of that. They would be misrepresenting what I said because I don't have much knowledge of that. Uh, because this committee likes to misrepresent or leave off complete sentences of what individuals said, I'd like to introduce this into the record. Objection. This time. Thank you. Uh, and as to no comment by an FBI, that's usually what they say when there's an ongoing investigation, particularly when it's a couple of days before an election. But why are we here? Why? You know? Well, so this is interesting because so they kind of like are criticizing her, she was like, the, rep, the laptop is real and whatever. And then they bring up this statement that she made under questioning where she was like, I don't know um, whether or not it's real. And then they, she makes the point that the Miss Plaskett, the ranking member, makes this point that like, well, they're misinterpreting her and leaving off complete sentences and just kind of cherry picking evidence. And it's so weird because later, like, Throughout this whole hearing, they keep harping on this one thing that RFK said where he's like, the COVID-19 virus is could be targeted or targets uh, black and Caucasian people and at least affects Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese. And they keep talking about that. And at one point, they even play the clip of him saying that. And it's just so funny because that's exactly what she's accusing them of doing, which is like taking something out of context because he keeps RFK kept trying to say it during the thing. He's like, you're taking me out of context. Like, I wasn't saying it's a bioweapon targeted toward blah, blah, blah. He was like, I was quoting a study where they found that COVID was most deadly for those yeah. people. What So exactly what she's criticizing is exactly what they end up doing in this hearing, which right. is so it's really crazy. a very truncated version of his comments. Yeah, we can hear the rest of what she has to say, though, but we'll come back. You know, that's been the question that quite a number of people have been asking me. Why are you having this hearing? What does this have to do with inflation? What does this have to do with the cost of living? What does this have to do with the everyday lives of Americans, the thing that the Republican Party said that they would focus on if they had control of the House? Why would the Republican leadership and the committee majority give a hearing and a platform to the witnesses today, specifically to Mr. Kennedy, a man who has recently claimed that COVID-19 is targeted to attack Caucasians and black people, the people who are most immune oh, are Ashkenazi is. Jews and Chinese, before that, in his film, Medical Racism, The New Apartheid, that film stated that COVID-19 vaccines do not work for black children because of their, quote, kick-ass kick kind of immune system, that hyper, superhuman, subhuman kind of language. Also said, he also said, even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps to Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did to imply Jews in Nazi Germany had more freedoms than unvaccinated Americans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, many of my Republican colleagues across the dais will rush to cover that they have Mr. Kennedy here because they want to protect his free speech, that they do not believe in American censorship. This is not the kind of free speech that I know of, the free speech that is protected by the Constitution's First Amendment. 
Well, then you're wrong. Free speech is not an absolute. Yes, it is. The Supreme Court has stated that. Uh, and others' free speech, that is allowed, hateful, abusive rhetoric, does not need to be promoted in the halls of the people's house. This Republican charge of free speech is being used by Republican members to promote quasi-science, quasi. things such as the replacement theory that says that brown people are replacing good white Americans here in this country. What is it's she not remember talking that this country about? first belonged to brown Native American it's, people. It's, it's a, a rallying cry for bigotry oh and hate. God. There are members of the Republican conference who also frequently suggest that Americans have to deal with COVID rules as the same as oppression of Nazi Germany. Indeed, some have even questioned whether the Holocaust took place. We have staffers who openly follow white supremacy without any condemnation of the Republican conference. Some Congress? give it chuckles, slaps on the back, shrugs, all under the mantra of free speech. It's a free country. You absolutely have a right to say what you believe, but you don't have the right to a platform, public or private. We don't have to give one of the largest platforms of our democracy, Congress, this hearing, our right does not mean that we as Americans are not free from accountability. That sentence was not so poorly constructed. About this what hearing. did that even mean? Even knowing what they know about Mr. Kennedy's hateful, evidence-free rhetoric, and even though they've invited any number of witnesses to make... Anyway, she keeps going on. I just think it's crazy that she just said evidence-free rhetoric. He was literally that citing was completely, a paper. Well, she even, I don't even know if she was saying what she was intending to say. That was so incoherent. She literally was saying, she's invoking replacement theory as if the Republicans and RFK are promoting replacement theory, which actually doesn't make any sense based on what Kennedy actually said or what they're claiming he said. If he said... Right. He didn't actually say that. He said it's killing black people and right. white and, and Caucasian people. So it doesn't sound like he's concerned that black people are taking over and replacing us. It sounds like he's saying the oh opposite, which is they're killing black people. It, but yes. he, but also he wasn't saying either of those things. No, no. But based on her own premise, her argument doesn't follow. Her logic, her logic is no. completely asinine. Doesn't even make sense. Well, so this is a whole thing. It's like, so they. I feel like it's just not. We're not having a conversation. Like we're talking about two different things. So the Republicans came in, and you heard the, the speaker, Mr. Johnson, is Johnson, whatever his name is, um, the Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, Mr. Jordan, the chairman, uh, he comes in and says, like, okay, we're here to talk about censorship and the taking down of true information and labeling it fake, false information, misleading information. And so he opens up with that. Here's a tweet about Hank Aaron. And they said, this is misinformation about Hank Aaron. And he's like, and that was true. And that's concerning that the federal government said, social media company, you need to label this as not true. And then, so that's what the Republicans seem to harp on a lot, which is like their whole argument. I feel like most of them talk about this censorship, the collusion of the federal agencies, the executives, the White House, the FBI with 
uh, Twitter. And then you have the other side, the Democrats, who like aren't even talking about that seemingly. Like they're talking about we shouldn't be giving a platform for these people, but RFK in particular, to say these things because they're bad and they harm Americans and they harm the public. And so that's their kind of argument, which is it just seems like slightly different, like categorically different than what the Republicans are trying to talk about. So, it, yeah, I feel like the whole thing comes across very discombobulated because the Democrats sound like they don't want to be there. Like <laughs> this is like they're doing damage control in this yeah. case. And here I wanted to play some stuff, too. We, we, we This could be like a 10 hour podcast. It's so good. But let's see here. But I do want to say, too, just before you play that, the so she does make this interesting claim, which I do buy some of where she says. So free speech is like she says it's not an absolute, which I it, it definitely is an absolute in the Constitution, like in the amendment. If you read the First Amendment, it does not say free speech except in blah, blah, blah cases. Now, the Supreme Court has made a few exceptions to her point where like you can't yell fire. They bring that up. You can't yell fire in a crowd because that could lead to grave harm. But you, and then there's also things like you can't say fighting words. But those things are situations in which the um, the words or the speech that you're saying is directly related to violence of some sort. Like, to, like you are about to commit violence or violence is literally ha- will break out immediately when you say something. I mean, I believe that that's actually incorrect, though. I think that you can do that. I mean, based mm. on the First Amendment, like so people's favorite example is you can't yell fire in a in a crowded room. You can't yell fire in a movie theater. I I am not the first person to make this argument, but the fact of the matter is based on our legal system and the way that this whole entire thing is set up, the way that it works is that like the caveat for the fact that you can do that is that we have a legal system. Like of so, torts and liability. Like if you did that and you caused a bunch of harm, then there's already you a cause harm. For that. You get your ass handed to you, and you go to jail on on legal terms, not on on, on based on damages, and mm. not not you don't so you don't get to preemptively prohibit speech because you just because that's not how we figure things out. That's not how we yeah. figure out if you can say something or not. And the, Matt or one of the guys. Uh, that's being grilled makes this point over and over again. And he says it succinctly one time. And I think this is the key takeaway for me when it comes to the free speech argument in this hearing. Uh, one of them says, we all, we all probably are familiar with this. We feel like we're right until we're wrong. And the way that we come to the conclusion that we're wrong is through open debate, not through laws, not through dictates. So until you have the conversation on the whatever people like to use these stupid terms now on the platform, until you have the conversation, you're confronted with the evidence that counters your wrong belief. That's just how that that's how you come to being to form new ideas, to be right. right we come to right. one of the one way he says it is we come to truth through discussion. Yes, that's kind of RFK's point, too, in the other hearing, the one that happened on July 20th. But so I'm going to play this. And this is the earlier hearing. But let's see what he has. Uh, what t- we're going to we're looking for Thomas Massey here. He's about to speak. 
Um, Kentucky, Mr. Massey is recognized for five minutes. I want to talk about the weaponization of the CDC against the American people, and this overlaps with one of the Twitter files, number 13 by my count, actually by Alex Berenson, not one of our two witnesses, but I would like your comment on it. A week before Christmas 2020, the vaccines came out, the FDA curated the <clears throat> Pfizer trial results, and then the CDC curated the FDA's opinion. The CDC said in their MMWR, which is never peer-reviewed, they're very proud that it's not peer-reviewed, they treat it like science, it's not science. They said that the vaccine was 92% efficacious for people who had already had COVID. The Pfizer trial data said no such thing. In fact, it, there was no support for that claim. So I called up the head of the CDC, recorded the conversation, the head in Washington, DC. She said she'd get the top scientists on the line. There was a snowstorm that day, so I was impressed. She got this top scientist on the line. They said I was Eagle Eye Massey. They couldn't believe how that statement had made it into their report and that I was absolutely correct. There was no support for it. So I said, how are you gonna fix it? You're gonna redact it? You're gonna change it? What are you gonna do? They said, we'll do all of that. I said, great. A month later, it was still on their website. I made some more phone calls. They brought in a, an old hand, an old fixer, Dr. Shushat. These are her notes. With, uh, of her phone call with me about natural immunity in January when I called him out on it again. These are the entirety of her notes that were obtained uh, in my FOIA from somebody, a third party. Uh, I took all of my recordings. I'm just going to point out it appears to be a blank page. <laughs> just he has a big Released poster Released to Cheryl him. Atkinson. She, <laughs> she blew the whistle on this. People, a lot of people have forgotten about it. Uh, Here's, here's why I find it interesting, and I'm going to tie it into the Twitter files. And by the way, I told them I was not anti-vax. I said the problem with your story is there's a misallocation of vaccines, which are not available for all the old people in Kentucky, but you got young people in Kentucky taking them because you're telling them on the website, even if you've had COVID, go get it. So that was my complaint. Um, on May 20, or May 10th, 2021, Todd O'Boyle, this name will come up in a Twitter file later. He is the top lobbyist in Twitter's Washington office, who was also Twitter's point of contact in the White House. He encouraged the CDC to enroll in the uh, partner support program. Oh, okay. The CDC is now a partner with Twitter because they're in the partner support program. They, he said, in the future, that's the best way to get a spreadsheet like this reviewed. Now, this is an email from uh, between Todd O'Boyle and, uh, and the folks at CDC. By the way, let me, let me uh, talk to this too. This is, these are more of my conversations with the CDC, completely redacted the subject thereof. Uh, next, next. Oh, one, so it wasn't blank, it was just redacted. I also found as a result of the FOIA, CDC tracks every tweet that a congressman puts out. Not just Republican, but Democrat. They keep a spreadsheet, they make it every week. Uh, this showed up in the FOIA for me because I'm in their spreadsheet that they track. Why is this interesting? Okay, so they're tracking congressman's tweets at CDC. They're enrolled in the partner support uh, portal at, uh, at Twitter. And then I found, this is why, um, I found Alex Berenson's report very interesting because uh, what he found out is that Scott Gottlieb worked hard and, and Twitter complied, it looks like, to censor a tweet from a doctor about natural immunity. Guess what, on the same day that that doctor's tweet was censored, so were my tweets. 
on natural immunity. Why is this important? What is, what is consequential about the date? This is three days after the military vaccine mandate came out and a week before the federal vaccine mandates came out. This truth was toxic to, to a narrative that Pfizer was spreading, that Joe Biden wanted out there so that he could force the vaccine on everybody, whether you had natural immunity or not. Now, I actually, you guys might not agree with me on this. I don't think the press gets special privileges on the First Amendment. I, think, I don't think Congress does. I think every American, by virtue of being an American, has the right to free speech enshrined in the Constitution. So I'm not so much worried that they, they uh, censored a, a congressman, but they disabled all the comments from my constituents. Those are the voices they squelched. And my beef is not with Twitter, but my beef is with the CDC and these federal agencies. And I encourage you all, if you can, to find more about this. And uh, do you have any, either of you have any comments on this topic? Yeah, ab ab absolutely. Gentleman's time expired, but the gentleman may, may uh, the Still witness had may three respond. seconds. The witnesses may respond. Okay. Just quickly, we, we found just yesterday a tweet from um, the, the Virality Project at Stanford, which was partnered with a, new, a number of government agencies on Twitter where they talked explicitly about um, censoring stories of true vaccine side effects um, and other true stories that they felt uh, encouraged hesitancy. Now the important- Censoring true. Yeah, so they used the word true three times uh, in this email. And what's, what's notable about this is that it reflects the fundamental misunderstanding of this whole disinformation complex, anti-disinformation complex. They believe that ordinary people can't handle uh, difficult truths. And so they think that they need minders to separate out things that are controversial or difficult um, for them. And that's, again, that's totally contrary to what America is all about, I think. I would just briefly add, this is very disturbing because what they're doing when they're putting these labels on there is they're actually also trying to discredit you. So it's not just, uh, it's a form of censorship, but it's also a, a disinformation campaign. And I think what Matt said is really important to understand. I mean, we went from, you go from a, a situation where we were fighting ISIS recruiting, and then it was Russian disinformation. And now they're in a situation where they're wanting to censor true information, accurate facts, because they're worried that people might behave in ways that they don't want them to. That involves mind reading at a level that is grossly inappropriate. I mean, I worry even about making this defense because let's remember, the First Amendment protects our right to be wrong. Mm -hmm. It protects our right to lie. I mean, it's bizarre to me that we would need to make a defense of the First Amendment and remind people that we have a right to be wrong. And being wrong, as Matt was explaining, is a big part of being a human being and having a democracy. So this is disturbing and chilling, and you're absolutely right to be outraged by it. There needs to be a full truth and reconciliation that I hope everybody would appreciate um, having on this issue because a lot of bad behavior has come out about what they've done. Thank you. I yield back. Good job. Gentlemen's time has expired, but now I recognize the gentleman from uh, New York, Mr. Goldman. Actually, excuse me, Wait. it's Ms. Can we Ms. pause there? Well, that's so interesting that they say all that because that's exactly the kind of points that come up in the second trial is like, he. so he brings up those same tweets and then the Democrats make this argument that like, well, you weren't censored because your tweet wasn't taken down. And then the Mr. Massey, the senator or congressperson from Kentucky, um, comes back and he's like, 
that's the point he makes is like true information was tagged. The tweet was tagged that said this is not true or this is misleading, which he's just said that natural immunity is better than vaccination. And, and then the comments, comments were yeah, disabled. So he was like, so even if my voice wasn't censored, he was like, my constituents' ability to talk to me. But even if you said, even if you disregard that, it's still on shaky ground, the claims that the Democrats are making, which is that's not censorship because the First Amendment also explicitly states freedom of the press, which is to like publish. And if like essentially like these you know, Twitter is like a publishing agency. It would be like if you publish something in the newspaper, but they only delivered your story, the newspaper with your story to like one home and then all the other newspapers to everyone else's home. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> That's well, not a form it, well, of... Simultaneously, like right before you read the article, there's a big disclaimer that just says that this is probably not true, even when it is true. Verifiable right, true. and they go on to... And this is the point too that uh, the journalist who wrote about the 100 by laptop, she makes this point as well because they go back Emma and jo forth. Morris. What'd you say? I, I just, Emma Jo Morris, yeah. Oh, Emma Jo Morris, yeah. She makes the point about, because uh, they keep asking her and the questioning in the other hearing, like, well, would this affect the outcome of the election? And they bring up this evidence, all these different polls, that like if people had known about the 100 by laptop story, if people had believed it was true, it would have changed how they voted. And so they make that point that this is consequential. And she gets asked, well, you know, how do you, how consequential do you think this is? Do you think it would change the outcome? And she was like, well, I don't really know. She was like, you can do these polls. And she's like, but the worst thing that you can't really measure is the smear of someone's reputation. And that, that was what Michael uh, Schellenberg just kind of pointed to as well. It's like, it's not just that you're saying that these things that this person has posted are not true. You're also trying to smear their reputation. You're trying to say anything that this person says is misleading or inaccurate or this person can't be trusted. So it is kind of, yeah, you walk a difficult line when you're doing stuff like that because it's not just, oh, we took that down because it was wrong or it was uh, false. We labeled it openly on your account that you are a person who cannot be trusted. You post misleading information, which is categorically different. So I just yeah. thought that was and an then point. The thing that comes next, this, listen to this hilarious disagreement between the two. And uh, Jim Jordan explains exactly what we were just talking about, about how the difference between what the Republicans are doing here and the Democrats are doing. The Republicans tend to have their peace in this case and then, you know, ask some question, ask the actual people being, you know, uh, questioned a the question. Witnesses. Right. So then some Democrat speaks up. Sorry. And Mr. Chair, since that went over two minutes with them responding, will you give an additional time? There's a question at the Sanchez? end of someone, uh, the customer, if there's a question at the end of someone's five minutes and the witnesses haven't responded, uh, we'll give them time to do that. Many times you Up guys go over minutes. and then don't, we, there's no question. I questions. understand that, so, but two but minutes. We, okay, that's, thank that's you. That's customary, so we'll, we'll certainly do that. Gentlelady from California is recognized, excuse me. So she's like, can we have extra time too if, um, you know, you get extra time. He's like, yeah, if you ask a question at the end, but you guys don't ask a question and you go over anyways. And I just thought it was funny that if you watch the rest of the hearing, they literally never get the extra time because they never ask any questions. Oh like it never, God. like she's like fighting for some like baton to use, you know, like we're going to get this <laughs> extra time. And then they have they don't even have the ability to use that win that they just got. Like, yeah, I'll give you extra time if you ask a question because they never, they literally never ask a question. 
So, and they literally do they do the opposite. They're like, I'm not asking questions. I'm not, you know, this isn't how this works. You be quiet now. You know, it's like, it's just hilarious. That's the whole theater of it. It's like, they're not even there to question the witnesses. I feel like everybody's kind of just making points. And then they're like, be like, all right, witness, like, what do you have to say to back me up on this point? (laughs) Across, across the aisle too on that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is pretty much sick to, to watch, but. I mean, there's lots of little good spots in here. I'm surprised. That was Matt Taibbi and Schellenberger who were responding. I don't know how you didn't have a hearing with them involved. I mean, the majority of this one that I watched is... Yeah, so this must be the earlier hearing that they had had um, about this. And the one I had watched was the more recent one. In the more recent one, though, since you didn't watch it, I don't know, this was the most shocking thing to me um, is that... So shortly after where we stopped listening, those were the opening remarks, one of the Democrats makes a move to literally censor the hearing so it's so crazy because she goes can we move this to executive hearing or whatever and so essentially there's like this rule about if someone is going to testify in front of congress and they're going to say something that would defame people or uh there's like certain stipulations about like what what the person who's testifying would be saying that they can move to have like a private hearing where it just wouldn't be streamed to the public. And so they make this motion where they're like, this should not be available to the public. The public should not hear what this person, RFK, and uh, these other two people are going to say because it would be bad and uh, defamatory. And it's just like, oh, my God, the irony of the whole thing where then then the Republicans go off. They're like, we're literally in a hearing about censorship. And five minutes into the hearing, you would like to censor the whole hearing. It's just like, whoa, this is crazy. There's a lady, too. There's two people in here. Here's one of them. This is this lady is a Democrat from Texas, and she is good. I mean, as far as being a lawyer, I don't know if she is a lawyer based on her ability to trip Matt Taibbi up. I was very impressed with her skill, but what she's doing is unbelievable in a certain way. Everybody knows that journalists are allowed to have their sources and it is dangerous for them in many cases, for themselves and for their sources to reveal their sources. Right, to reveal right? the identity. So listen listen to this. I want to follow up a little bit on the ranking members' questions. Um, when was the first time that Mr. Musk approached you about writing uh, uh, the Twitter files? Again, Congresswoman, that would... Uh, I just need a date, sir. He's saying again because another Democrat just a minute ago tried to do the same thing and make him admit who his sources are and make him admit that Elon Musk is the source. But I can't mm. give it to you, unfortunately, because this this is a question of sourcing and I don't give up. I'm it's a journalist. A, I don't reveal my source. It's a question of chronology. No, that's a question because of sourcing. Because you earlier said that, that someone had sent you through the Internet some message about whether or not you would be interested in some information. Yes, and I refer to that person as a source. So you're not going to tell us when Musk first approached you? Again, Congressman, you're asking me to re- you're no. asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all of this? 
No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I, 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 well, I just can't answer your question. Well, it either is or he isn't. Source. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that only logical conclusion is that he is, in fact, your source. Well, you're free to conclude that. Well, sir, I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways, but let's move on. because No, he can. He's a journalist. No, he can't because either Musk is the source and he can't talk about it, or Musk is not the source. And if Musk is not the source, then he can discuss No one has yielded. The gentlelady's the out of order. You don't and get to speak. she's out of order because he's interrupted. The gentlelady's not recognized. You're not recognizing my time. He's not said that. But he has said is he's not going to reveal his source. And the fact that Democrats are pressuring him to do so is such a violation. We're asking him about his conversations with Musk. The gentlelady has not yielded you time. You don't get to talk over her. I have not yielded time to anybody. I want to reclaim my time. And I would ask the chairman to give me back some of the time because of the interruption. Mr. Chairman, I'm asking you if you will give me the seconds that I lost. We will give you that 10 seconds. Thank you. Now, let's talk about another uh, item that you, when you responded. Anyways, I mean, she goes on, God, but it's heated. yeah, they clearly, everybody in this room knows, or at least believes that Elon Musk is integrally, integrally involved and for some reason, I feel like they want that to be known and be true. I know there's something something going on uh, with that. I, I I haven't really put my finger on it, but it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That is interesting. I wanted to go. Can we go to the other one? I wanted to pull up this uh, Louisiana senator. But yeah, I also I don't want to say that. No one on the Democratic side was making good points. And there were plenty of people who did not make good points on the Republican side. Um, but I thought the best argue point of the entire hearing was some of this stuff from the Louisiana senator. Okay, here we go. Here's a – well, they'll pass it off to him. From Louisiana first. I'm so grateful for that segue. From this is Mr. Johnson from Louisiana. Actually, we can back up a little bit so you can hear the segue. So this is um, the guy speaking right before him is Mr. Connolly. He's a Democrat. And I thought he made some decent points, actually. But he gets a little crazy at the end of his talk here. Including my constituent, Capitol Hill police officer, who died the next day from the trauma and shock of that experience. And ironically, talk about free speech and duty. So he's saying that he had a constituent who died. He was a police officer who voted for Trump that had died the day after the Capitol riots. Um, and he was linking that to free speech. He was like, well, that speech shouldn't be free because that incited violence. And I literally, one of my constituents died because of the violence that ensued. That was his argument. So that's what he's talking about. He voted for Donald Trump. But his duty was to be here that day. Offner Skolnick. And somehow, my freedom to harm with the words I use is considered further evidence of censorship. But we know words have power. And that's why we take care with the words we use. We have mass killings in America. We buried people recently at Pittsburgh because of their identity. Hate speech has consequences. Distortion of the truth has consequences. 
It's not censorship to try to correct that record. Vaccination denial would have cost millions of more lives in America. Can we pause it? Yes. When RFK responds to this whole vaccine thing and how vaccination denial causes harm, etc. When he has a chance to speak on this briefly, you know, they give him like three seconds or something. He points out that in the United States, where we had a high vaccination rate versus um, another country in Africa, which I can't remember, that have low vaccination rates, I think they use like a per million, don't quote me on the numbers, but like a per million vaccines that in the low vaccination rate in a country of black people, they had death from quote unquote COVID of one or a hundred, I mean, some, some small number per million black people with the low vaccination rate. Right. And the in point that it was country, much higher in the United States, yes. Where we had in much our country, it was thousands of times. I think it was 3,000 like, per million or whatever. It was orders of mag, like, uh, I mean, orders of magnitude as an expression doesn't capture how many more people died in a high vaccine environment, black people specifically. Right, so right. this whole argument about vaccines it there it is a complete i can't even believe i mean it makes sense that they would want this to be off the record and take this to a private session because the fact of the matter is is nobody will address what it actually means that you have like a one in a hundred death when people don't get vaccinated and like of 20 in 100 deaths when you do have vaccinated black people is specifically what's the answer what is the conclusion to draw there right. the conclusion to draw it, it negates all of what these people are saying vaccine hesitancy and vaccine denial would have saved countless lives would have saved countless lives it's the full fledged opposite conclusion than these people are promoting and i do not know how you do that i don't know how you hear the information and then you don't answer it what well, is yeah, you the could, response yeah you could endorse alternative explanations of that difference in death rate but the other explanations i find to be highly unlikely like you'd have to endorse some explanation like well the people in those other countries are healthier than the United States, which is like, well, we have one of the best healthcare systems in the world, right? So how would people in other countries be accessing better medical care despite not having vaccines? So yeah. Then why I, are those countries, why do we have to send those countries, all of our billion, billionaire right, philanthropy right. people, why do we have to send those countries, all of our red helmets and Exactly. Red Cross and free vaccines and all this shit. It doesn't make any sense. If they're, Why are we doing that if their health outcomes are a thousandfold better than ours? 
That right. makes and, absolutely no sense. So, yeah, so somewhere in this is complete uh, backwards logic. It's just somewhere it's yeah. not right. Well, there's some lies, yeah, and it's hard to figure out what the lies are. But yeah, I think regardless of race too, uh, RFK makes the point that we had like we have what four percent of the world's population and sixteen percent of the world's COVID deaths or something like that. So he's like, and we were a high vaccination rate country. So if you just think about like regardless of race, that is another fact that kind of is contentious with the claims that Mr. Connolly's making here. So anyway, that's what all the I'm earmarks saying. of a has all the earmarks of a operation like something like it, this is the exact same kind of shit that came up you know i mean whatever around like 9 11 you know just things where it's like there are just unanswered questions and by dint of you not answering the questions we know that there's a big lie somewhere yeah yeah okay so let's get through this and then yeah we'll hear the louisiana senator talk because that's what i really want to hear 1.1 million fellow americans are dead today because <laughs> of the pandemic because of the vaccines and millions are saved because of a vaccine that was developed in record time and we ought to be celebrating that not cavilling oh about my it. god my god it's intense protective yeah. measures were taken to take down disinformation about vaccines and about the nature of the virus Again, we've already talked about this. It was more than just disinformation. He literally, the senator from Kentucky wrote, natural immunity is better than vaccination, which is just a fact for any disease and illness. And they took that down. So it's not just wrong things, which is the whole point Republicans keep trying to make. And about protective measures we could take, including masks, including social distancing. It was not big brother government trying to exercise its will on it was 100 percent that on an innocent 100%. population it was public health measures to protect lives bullshit oh again something should be celebrated but no there's an opportunity to have a conspiracy theory here there's an opportunity to make political points oh this gets wild and no yeah. matter what you may think mr kennedy and I revere your name. You're not here to propound your case for censorship. You are here for cynical reasons to be used politically by that side of the aisle to embarrass the current president of the United States. And you're an enabler in that effort today. Oh, my God. He does not need anyone's help embarrassing himself. A story name that I revere. I began my political interest. They're literally publicly shaming him right now. It's a struggle session, a, a fascist, communist see struggle session. Today in this hearing. A Maoist struggle session. I yield the balance of my time to Mr. Goldman. Um, thank you, Mr. Uh, thank you, the distinguished gentleman from Virginia. We don't have uh, a lot of time to dig into questions, um, but I would just note for my colleagues on the other side of the aisle who are former prosecutors, uh, you well know that the opinions of a journalist don't amount to actual evidence of anything, and it is a sign of the desperate attempt to satisfy your conspiracy theories that you're bringing a fringe right Gentlemen's order to provide evidence of your, for your investigation, and I yield back. 
I hate that guy. Gentleman dude. yields back. The chair now recognizes Mr. Okay. Johnson from okay, Louisiana. Here we go. For I'm so grateful for that segue from Mr. Golden because we're about to talk about hard evidence here. It's really Thank ironic you. this hearing is covering the left censorship of opposing viewpoints, and you've all seen it on display all day long. They've been doing exactly that. They've been trying to bully and defame our witnesses and, and, and try to cover up their opinions. They, they actually began the hearing with a motion to prevent them from testifying. You can't make this stuff up. It's on broad display for everybody. They did the same thing yesterday in the hearing with the IRS whistleblowers. You know why? Because the Democrats are panicked right now. They're panicked because it's impossible to cover up the inescapable conclusions of the last few weeks. Let me give you two of them. First, one, the hard evidence, Mr. Goldman and everybody else, now proves that the Biden family is hopelessly corrupt and has apparently engaged in a long pattern of extortion, bribery, influence peddling, and tax fraud, and staggering abuses of power. And number two, we're highlighting here today that we now know that a growing list of the most important executive branch agencies of the Biden administration are in on it. They've also been corrupted. They've been weaponized to help cover all this up, the first family's crimes. When we summarize all this stuff, it sounds like a premise of a dystopian novel or something, but it's actually happening right now on our watch. This is not conspiracy theories, this is evidence. Our hearing today is to put a spotlight on one more of these incredible avenues of unprecedented corruption and government cover-up. And here again, a federal court has just affirmed all that hard evidence. It proves that the White House, the Department of Justice, and the FBI, among other agencies, threatened and coerced the social media platforms to censor and suppress disfavored viewpoints and conservatives' social media posts online. I'm grateful we have with us today two individuals, Mr. Kennedy and Ms. Harris, who were directly impacted by that censorship, and a third, Mr. Sauer, who we're about to speak with, serving as lead counsel in the landmark lawsuit against the federal government on this issue. Let's talk facts. The American people are not aware of the magnitude of this case, Mr. Sauer, and its profound implications, because most of the mainstream media is in on it too, and they're trying to bury the story. In brief, in May of last year, the attorneys general of my state, Louisiana, and the state of Missouri filed suit in U.S. District Court of the Western District of Louisiana this blatant censorship. They went after the blatant censorship by the Biden White House and nine of its federal agencies. Two weeks ago on Independence Day, the district court issued a truly extraordinary 155-page court opinion, a ruling granting the plaintiff's request for preliminary injunction. Mr. Sauer, your lead counsel in that litigation, you referenced some in your opening statement, but let's do it again here because they don't seem to be paying attention. Can you give a summary again of some of the key components of that opinion and the basis for it? I know you mentioned there were 82 pages of detailed factual findings, right? That is correct, 82 pages, 577 citations of the record evidence. That evidence is drawn from about 20,000 pages of the government's own communications with social media platforms and six full-length depositions of senior federal officials with firsthand knowledge of federal censorship practices. It's absolutely staggering. And now they've tried to bury this and say, well, the Fifth Circuit entered a temporary administrative stay. They granted a, an expedited briefing and oral argument, however, for August 10th. What, what's the impact of that? That's, isn't that routine practice in the Fifth Circuit? That's a direct quote from the recent Fifth Circuit decision, N. Ray Abbott, which is cited in my written testimony. It's legally incorrect, clearly legally incorrect to describe them as vacating the injunction, which has happened multiple times. Today. They that either don't know right. the law or, I don't know, they're trying to obscure the facts. That's a theme around here. The White House and the fellow Democrats disputed almost none of the factual findings in the court. Isn't that right? So far, we've had two emergency stay motions from the Department of Justice, one in the District Court, one in the uh, Court of Appeals. And what really struck me in reading those is they just don't dispute those 82 pages of factual findings. Almost none of them are directly disputed in what they've filed so far. 
So at the very beginning of this lengthy opinion, the court explains the staggering scope of the government censorship uncovered here. At page two, the court explains, quote, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack on free speech in United States history. The court called it dystopian, Orwellian. How broad has this attack been? How many Americans have been uh, censored? Do you think? There's judicial findings again and again in the opinion of millions, millions of American voices silenced by these efforts. And it had profound impacts. We know, we just saw the poll and the, and the data that's been entered here, facts, not conjecture, that it ch probably changed the outcome of the election. The court noted that they suppressed, among other topics, the Hunter Biden laptop story. And the court noted, not you, not me, not Republicans, that millions of Americans were not exposed to that story. Had they been, we know they might have voted differently. We'll never be able to unwind history, but wow, I mean, the profound impacts. What are some of the other categories of speech that the government suppressed with its unconstitutional scheme? Well, uh, the court made findings on that. I just quote them, opposition to COVID-19 vaccines, opposition to COVID-19 masking and lockdowns, the lab leak theory of COVID-19, opposition to President Biden's policies, statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, opposition to the policies of government officials in power, all were suppressed. And that's just some examples, many other examples in the, in the court's findings and in the discovery in the case. I so wish I weren't out of time. I yield back. The gentleman yields back. Anyway, I just thought that was powerful. What precisely? Oh, God. Well, I just thought he just brought the facts. I feel like the, the most strong evidence that the Republicans have in this hearing is the court case that happened in the Fifth Circuit with all of the information from the collusion of government agencies and, um, and uh, social media companies. And that, yeah, I feel like he's just addressing the facts of like, okay, we knew he's like, and it's not a, like a party point that we're saying that things were censored. Us. He's like, we can argue all day about that. He's like, but the court ruled, the court ruled and has right. thousands of pages of evidence that this happened. And he's like, so this is not even up for debate. I don't know how, like, why are politicians even debating this? So I thought, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, from, from everything we've played at least so far, what it seems like is going on here is that there's one side of the aisle currently and like again as if it needs to be said like we're not right wing we're not left wing <laughs> i literally don't care if yeah. the tables were turned and there was a corrupt left wing person on there and the republicans were acting like idiots i'd probably feel the same way just in the opposite direction but what's happening in this case is that the republicans keep getting their 5 minutes you know in their turn and it's here's the censorship Here's the way that they, that, I mean, Thomas Massey, look, the CDC is literally like keeps a spreadsheet of comments made by every single that was member crazy. of Congress. Look at the, uh, the CDC, there's some other really the damning CDC stuff in here. is keeping yeah, spreadsheets of Twitter. The disease control center. Yeah. They're what? tracking, they're tracking everything. So how is that they, even yeah a part of the CDC's job to track well we tweets. should it's we, we could get into that in a second but let me make this point and then we should talk about that so we have you know Republicans going what about this censorship what about the uh, vaccine censorship what about the censorship of this laptop stuff what about the uh, labeling things disinformation what about these true things that were deemed to be true at one point that later turned out to be false that people were censored in the anyways and nothing you know no rectifying uh 
You mean things that were false that were later turned out to be true or things that people presumed to be uh, false. Or either way, you know, that mm. either way, you know, like if you don't don't say this true thing, if, if you think this true thing isn't true, then we censor you. It turns oh, out later oh, that yeah, stuff isn't yeah, true. Yeah. So, I mean, just but it, my point is just case after case after case of like, what's the answer here? What's the answer here? What's the answer here? And the Democrats, instead of saying instead of defending them themselves in the sense of going, we didn't no, we didn't censor. That wasn't here's how the, this wasn't uh, censorship. Here's how we didn't censor in this case. There's because there's no dispute of the facts uh, from the left in this case. Mm, Instead, what right. they're doing is they're justifying censorship. They're just saying, I mean, everyone we played at least is right. Well, exactly. no, we we should do this. Like this is what we did was good. We should continue to do this. This is the this behavior that we've engaged in. From the FBI, from the CDC, from Congress, through social platforms, political manipulation of private entities, all of this should continue. Right. And Mr. Bauer says saved that at life. the very- This is good stuff. Right. At the very end of the whole thing, they ask him for his opinion, and he's the prosecutor in that case. And one of the witnesses, he says, uh, in the hearing about someone asked uh, – Jen Blasky or whatever uh, from the White House, like, how will we, how do we know that this will never happen again? Like, what measures is the White House taking to stop doing this sort of activity? And this was in the court case. And then he just quotes her. And apparently her comment to that was, it's not my position that the White House will stop doing this or something like that. It was just like, what? Like, she just admitted. She, like, said the quiet part out loud. Like, it's not my business. It's not my opinion that the government will stop doing censorship. It's like, excuse me? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, damning. And then, too, another thing that came up is they read some of the the statements from the White House to Twitter, like some of the messages that they had been receiving from government officials and the White House and FBI. And one of them is literally like, how fast are we going to be discrediting these people or labeling this disinformation? And how much are we going to be doing it? And then the... The chairman is like, I'll just translate this for you. He literally asked, how much censorship are we doing and how fast can we do it? (laughs) It was just like, it's there. It's in the red receipts. This was a directive from the government. It literally said those exact things. You can't make this stuff up. And that's what I was thinking about the Louisiana guy that was so powerful. He just like, he's like, you can't make this stuff up. They're literally trying to censor this case on censorship. So... It's all out here for everyone to see. And yeah, exactly to the point you were making. It's like their argument is not about – they're not debating the facts of whether or not government did give those directives. They're saying the government is justified in giving those directives because censorship is okay if the people who are being censored are bad or what they're saying is what we define as hate speech or malinformation or misinformation or disinformation – Right, and but not addressing the what the Republicans actually do have a rebuttal to that point, which is, uh, but it wasn't disinformation. A lot of this stuff that we are bringing up is true information. What do you have to say about that? And they have nothing, nothing to, to say, say about it, it right. turns out. Nothing to say about it. Now, they don't admit they have nothing to say about it. They just don't actually say anything about it. They just keep going on some, on these weird tirades about the kind of stuff... I mean, that that one guy, that guy that I couldn't see his name, just is a bald guy, black guy, Democrat side um, that speaks before the lady from Texas. I 
can't remember who he was, but it doesn't matter. He starts like bringing up tweets with like the N word in it, with like the K word in it. And I mean, all these weird, you're like, what's his point? His point is to bring up things. I, I think, it, I mean, essentially he's like, should we censor this stuff? Oh my God. And it's a complete diversion from what anybody's saying. No one's saying, no, this isn't a conversation about should we censor the N word on a platform or whether or not that violates things. There's also, they, they speak heavily about the FBI. These are from the Twitter files that Matt Taibbi is talking about, that the FBI is sending them, uh, is sending emails to Twitter. Right. That is That say things like, uh, hey, we just wanted to let you know that, like, and this is not just a single incident. It's like tons of incidents of this. We just want to let you know that these, this tweet or this account or this this person uh, might be violating your terms of service and you should like maybe you want to, maybe you want to take them down and maybe you should take down others like this which is a wink wink nod nod take this off we're the FBI we're telling you why are you doing right. why are you doing Twitter's job and Twitter says as well in I think in their emails they they say there's absolutely no way the FBI knows what's going on in our platform better than we, Twitter, know what's going on in our platform. So it's odd that like they're just the FBI's acting like they're just stepping in to be helpful employees for free on the American taxpayer's dime. Like that doesn't make any Give sense. Give me a break. Yeah. No, and they bring like, that up too in the defense. He's like Mr. Bauer says something like, um, Yeah, this uh so these government officials are emailing them and they were threatening adverse legal consequences. So it's not – they have to – they prove like, OK, it's not just that the government is like getting involved. It's like the government is literally threatening them. Like if you do not comply with this, there will be adverse legal consequences for you, Twitter. And so he has some powerful testimony too, Mr. Bauer, in that uh, other hearing where he talks about, you know, there's a couple different ways that the government can uh, – you know, disobey or sort of interfere in things inappropriately, overstep its authority. And he was like, this court found that they interfered and broke all of the rules, not like in one way. They broke it in all the ways that you can break it. So it was just crazy because he was like, you can insert yourself in the wrong decisions. You can bribe people or threaten them. You can um, use your influence or whatever. So he was like, and the court found that the government was doing all of those things. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I mean, well, let me see if I can, let me see if I found the thing that I want, another little clip that I wanted to play here. Yeah, I'm going to play the end of this lady saying, I think what I'm looking for is right after this. I just wanted to play some more of this Texas lady and just how she's just a slimy lawyer. I don't even know if she was a lawyer, but she... Oh, well, she's in the other one, too, and she gets wild in the other one because she starts saying all this stuff about rural Texas being ravaged by COVID because they didn't have the vaccination rates that more urban areas in Texas had. And then she just starts saying all these things. She's like, RFK has said that vaccines cause autism. They do not. RFK has said that. And it's just like, I mean, OK, but like. Like, where are the facts? Like, that's just your opinion if you're just saying these things. Like, it's like anyone can say any of that. I mean, I will say that she comes across. This is a, I, 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 as far as like a villain in a, in a way, I kind of like her because she's, um, 
There's a uh, villain. <laughs> like, she's a villain. She, well, she's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She's very genuine. You know, like she's dumb. Or no, not dumb. Like she's she, actually. I, I I meant the opposite. She's smart, but she's not like quaffed. You know, she's not. Um, well, I don't think she's lying. She, I don't think she believes differently than what she's saying. I think she believes everything. No, no, no. She's yeah, saying. she's she, and she's thinking, you know, on her feet a little bit. And you'll hear that where, like, she literally doesn't know who Barry Weiss is. And I'm about to play a clip of that. And then I'm going to play a clip of how this is a thing about people in the South. It's a trope, but they are, they can be really <laughs> okay. offensive and passive aggressive. <laughs> Uh, even with the kind-hearted voice. So just... Uh, Wait, so who's Barry Weiss, though, before you play it? You're, she'll tell. You'll find out. Oh, okay, okay. In your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss? My friend, Barry Weiss. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is what is her... Um... She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please yes, ma'am. Barry interrupt. Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir? She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? Um... There was many more people involved than that. There was many more people involved with it. Are you being paid to be here today, either through consulting fees, no. campaign contributions? Absolutely. Oh, God, Ed. She's like my aunt. I feel like she's like that kind of older, sweet aunt who has, like, kind of strong opinions. <laughs> she's Kathy, our, our Aunt Kathy. Absolutely not. Time is expired. They're both Thank laughing. You. I just, I don't know what to say other than I'll, I'll recognize the gentleman from North Dakota for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I'll yield my five minutes oh, to I, appreci I appreciate the gentleman uh, yielding. Uh, I do think it's worth pointing out that, you know, I have co-sponsored, I think some of my colleagues have co-sponsored the SHIELD Act in previous Congresses with Democrats to protect what we see them trying to do today, protect journalists from having to reveal their sources to government. That used to be a shared position in the Congress. Unfortunately, as we're seeing now, multiple occasions, it's not the, it's not the position anymore. Uh, Mr. Schellenberg, I want to go to Twitter files part seven. I related a lot of what you put in there in my opening statement. And I want to give you as much time as you want, because I'm going to read the very first sentence, because something jumped out at me when I read the first sentence. In Twitter files number seven, the FBI and the Biden laptop, you say this. How the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about the Biden foreign business dealings both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop on October 14th, 2020. And what kind of jumped out at me was the way you framed it, because you did it backwards from what it's normally said. Normally you would say, the sentence would read, foreign business dealings both before and after. But I assume you did that for a reason, because in fact, I think the next sentence, you say social media companies discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after. You use the normal customary way in the second sentence, but the first sentence strikes me as you were trying to emphasize the before component of that statement. And I want you to just walk us through why you said that, because when I read it, it certainly was an operation uh, b both before oh, wait, and after, as you there? said, after and before. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. 
Well, so that is an interesting point they just made, and I'm not sure what he he says after that, but I did find that strange. Like, so the whole thing, the FBI is warning Twitter, this has come out, this is like just factually true, the FBI is warning Twitter of this Russian hack and leak operation months leading up to the actual thing. It's like very strange. Like, if it were real, how would they know, like, exactly how it was going to happen and when it was going to happen and that it was going to happen at Twitter. You know, it was like, what? And it's so weird because, too, I don't know, like, what's going on. But you have, like, the Democrats, too. They're like, Russia entered. They say this in the other hearing. They're like, Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Russia interfered in the 2020 election. And they're going to interfere in the 2024 election. And you're just like, what? Like, these are just like statements where like we know what's going to happen in the future. Russia will interfere. That is not a question. But we do have questions about the dubious origin of this laptop and whether or not Twitter tweets were censored. And you're like, so we can't be sure about things that are documented and we have hard evidence for, but we can be sure 100 percent of things that are going to happen in the future. And it's just like a level of. Yeah, I, I just clicked away from that. I wish I would have played the rest of of the or the response from that because it is interesting. Let me see if this is what I'm looking for here. Anyway, yeah, that was just a side point because that's, again, yeah, too, part of their uh, argument is like it hinges on being able to forecast the impact, the future a little bit, kind of the impact of things and what's what's true, what's going to be true. Because in order to censor the stuff today, like when you say, okay, we're censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story because we think it's not going to be true. Well, you didn't know that at the time. And then it turned out that it was real. So in order to endorse your argument of like, well, censorship still needs to be done, you have to kind of endorse this argument that like, well, we know the impact of this. Like we can we can know for sure that it's going to cause harm and that we can make correct decisions about which information will and will not cause harm and what needs to be taken down. And we can forecast whether or not those things will be proven true in the future. Which is like, it's just you would be omniscient at that point, and clearly you did not know that because you censored things that turned out to be true later. So, like that's what's kind of on display, is that look, we should you would th- like because if 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 the Republicans are being like sympathetic here, and and in a way they kind of are because they're going, they are pointing out these like three letter agencies, and they're not necessarily pointing out Twitter. So like. It's almost like you could forgive, I and mean, even Massey said that Thomas Massey. He's like you. He's almost saying like you kind of forgive Twitter. He didn't say this explicitly, but I I'm like reading between the lines here. You kind of forgive Twitter because it's the fucking FBI. Like right, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like you're gonna do what they say, right? Like you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, no thanks, and then just wait and see how the FBI retaliates against you. Right, and you also assume you could just trust what the FBI is saying like you just figure they have information that you don't have right that if some story's breaking on twitter and they say by the way this is a fake story and it could be really damaging for you twitter and for the american people i mean it's all read between the lines here you assume well okay let's like chill out and listen to with the fbi like they do like undercover stuff they they must know but what's being exposed is the fbi isn't like they're not doing that. That's not what they're doing. They're not like that. They're they're a corrupt organization that is exactly as this hearing is titled is it's weaponized right. by the federal government against the people, against information. 
And that seems to be their primary agenda these days is not like fighting crime and busting, you know, true morbid assaults against humanity, like sex trafficking or right. Any number whatever of things thing you could on. be yeah. going after here. Crooks, people doing, ex- but I mean, people, they should be going after people that are doing exactly what they're doing. Right. But it's because that you know, like people that are violating the constitution, like the government institute, you know, yeah, governments instituting right. violations Your job of free is speech. The executive that, branch is literally to enforce the law on a federal level, right? And instead, you're evading. And instead, they're it and violating helping other people evading, evade it. Which, yeah. yeah, which is, which is crazy. But here's another. I think this is what I've been looking for. There's something in here about the FTC that I want to hear, and I can't. I seem to find it, but I think it's coming up here. Really, we were looking at the intelligence agencies when we were doing this research. This is Matt Taibbi. And as I mentioned before, their conclusions targeted people on both the left and the right globally, again, including the Yellow Vest movement in France, the pro-Maduro accounts in South America, and leftist account, uh, news organizations in America like Truthout and Consortium. Some of those people are my friends, actually. And organized to weaponize uh, against conservative voices. Um, and, of course, what you've just indicated in your testimony is, well, actually, that's not the evidence you found. No, uh, I think this committee, my understanding is that they're, they're concerned about the weapon, weaponization of, of the government against free speech, which is certainly what we're finding. I, thank you. My time has expired, but I appreciate your understanding of our committee. I have a different understanding. I yield back. Well, you got the wrong understanding. Last week in the, in the full Judiciary Committee hearing, I introduced into the record a story of a left-wing journalist who said that, that talked about the FBI putting a paid informant, a felon, in the Black Lives Matter movement in Denver. I want to focus on the First Amendment, just like protecting the First Amendment, just like these guys Point do. of order, Mr. Chair. Are you going to respond after every? No, I'm everything? taking my five minutes. This is I your, can take oh, my your five oh, minutes. Oh, it's your five minutes I can now. I take my five minutes when 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 I want to, and I'm taking my five okay, minutes. Okay, great. Now. Yeah, thank you. Well, and I would ask for an additional few seconds for being interrupted by the ranking member. Um, but the the truth is, we want to focus on protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Schellenberger, are you a Republican? No, I'm not. You got a, you got any you know pro-Trump bumper stickers on your car? I voted for Biden. Voted for Biden. You, you know how many MAGA hats laying around your house, right? I do not. Yeah, but you said earlier, both you and Mr. Taibbi said, this is the most chilling thing you have ever seen as journalists. Mr. Taibbi, the same thing. You're not a Republican either, right? No, no. I'm not. You didn't vote for Trump. I mean, like, this is about protecting the First Amendment. Mr. Taibbi, I want to read from your uh, Twitter file number nine. You say this. After weeks of Twitter files, the Bureau issued a statement Wednesday, referring to the FBI. Here's what the FBI said. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. You then follow up, and this is why I think you're an award-winning author, you then follow up, they must think we're unambitious if our sole aim is to discredit the FBI. After all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in the Twitter files. And then you go on to, in this particular Twitter file, to talk about what Mr. Bishop was just talking about, the GEC at the State Department. You talk about the CIA. You talk about the DOD. You talk about the FBI. You talk about the DHS. You talk about the Foreign Intelligence Task Force, which is a combination of all these. But there was one agency you didn't mention because you didn't know at the time. One agency, one, you got almost the whole alphabet, but you didn't mention one agency, the FTC. 
The F, because you, you know about them now. <laughs> yes, we you do. You know about them now in an up close and personal way. You didn't know then, but you do know, uh, know, know now. December 2nd, as I said earlier, December 2nd, the first Twitter file comes out, Mr. Taibbi. And I think there are five others, including the ones from Mr. Schellenberger. December 13th, the very first letter that the FTA, uh, FTC sends to Twitter after the Twitter files, 11 days after the first Twitter file. There have been five of them come out. The FTC. That's the Federal Trade Commission, okay? The FTC's first demand in that first letter after the Twitter files come out is identify all journalists, I'm, I'm quoting, identify all journalists and other members of the media to whom Twitter worked with. You find that scary, Mr. Taibbi, that you got a federal government agency asking a private company, who in the press are you talking with? Yeah, I, I do find it scary. I, I, I think it's none of the government's business what, uh, which journalists a private company talks to and why. Um, I think every journalist should be concerned about that and the absence of interest in that issue by um, uh, my fellow colleagues in the mainstream media is an indication of how low the business has sunk. Uh, there was once a real esprit de corps and a camaraderie uh, within media, whenever one of us was uh, gone after, we all kind of rose to the challenge and support. Used to be, yeah, used to be the and, case. Um, that is gone now. Uh, we we don't protect one. You know what another. else used to happen? Democrats used to care about protecting First Amendment free speech rights too. Now it's like, okay, if you're attacking, and I said this on the House floor, I said, don't think they won't come for you. Oh, the 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 big tech. Say goodbye to TD. Jesus Christ. And. Hang on. Look, we're finally getting our sponsorships. Cancel culture. They may come for Republicans and conservatives now, but they never. the mob is never satisfied. They will keep coming. Mr. Chell, uh, Schellenberger, you know who the chair of the FTC is? Uh, not personally. Lena Kahn. Lena Kahn. You know who she used to work for? My understanding is the Judiciary Committee. Yeah, she's worked for these folks. The same folks have been attacking you today. Same folks. Chair of the FTC. Work for them. Here's what they said. Here's what she said in one in a letter where they ask about who these journalists. Again, they named four personally, four journalists by name. You were two of the four. And as I said before, I think it's, it's frankly courageous and brave of you to show up today when you know the federal government's got an eye on you personally. Here's what they asked for in that letter. Any credentialing or background check Twitter has done on journalists. Now think about that. The federal government is saying we want you to do a background check on members of the press. Freedom of the press mentioned in the First Amendment, and they're doing bad. They want Twitter to do a background check on you before they can talk to you in America. The FTC, led by Lena Khan, who used to work for these guys, is asking that question. Now, you, now, now, now we know, now we all know why you guys said at the outset, this is the most chilling story. And you guys are New York Times bestsellers, award-winning uh, journalists. But in all your, your time in the, in the journalism field, this issue most important, and how this, I think, what'd you call it, Mr. Schellenberg, this complex, what'd you call it, the? Censorship industrial complex. Totally, this web of censorship, big government, big tech, NGOs, all this web of censorship that Mr. Bishop was getting into in his line of questioning. That's what this committee's gonna get to, and that's not right or left, that's not, this is just right or wrong, this is wrong, we know it's wrong, and it's about protecting the First Amendment. I yield back, I now recognize the. Yes, the, the, the ranking anyway. member uh, for her. Wow. So if, um, I don't know, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. But if he's, if he's legit, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of doubt it. But 
that was the most important thing I heard in the entire couple hours of that that I watched mm. was his statements there. Because, I mean, just recap, he says, Taibi and Schellenberger, you guys mention or, or point out that these organizations are mentioned in the Twitter files, which are just emails right. between the federal government all these and agencies. Twitter. And it's all these agencies, CIA, DI, uh, uh, DOJ, of, FBI, DOD, yeah. FBI, <laughs> all these guys. And they they forget one, or they don't they don't account for one, or don't see these FTC guys buggering around. Like what the what? How in the fuck does that fall under their purview to come? Why are all of these government agencies? I'm gonna freak out. Why are all of these government agencies even speaking to Twitter at all? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're not asking. They're not like asking questions and inquiring. They don't really need to. You don't think they have back doors into these? The CIA, the FBI, they're t they're involved in the Twitter files in all uh, globally. They talked about the the French protests, the yellow vests, the Jean Gilet, the the Maduro in South America. I mean, it's like this is wide, far reaching stuff. And completely, completely uncalled for and not even in any of their purview, especially right. the F maybe the CIA, because they're they're like the global spy guys. But the FBI, it something's wrong, like they're not even following their own diktat. So well, especially not FTC. I mean, they're like so the, exactly. And, so, and this and the is FTC, a social media company talking to journalists. What are we talking about? The FTC are criminal. It's a criminal organization. I mean, I have a book you could read, The Devil Inside the Beltway. It's a guy from Atlanta who had a company, a bio-type company, uh, like blood testing, where you send, like like LabQuest. And, oh, like that lady, Theranos? <laughs> um, yeah, but he was just doing it normal. But not He was drop. just like a private, industry, a private <laughs> business doing this. And they come down on him for all sorts of stuff. And I'm pretty sure it's these agencies you just wouldn't really expect mm. are the ones that are like really have this power. And I think the FTC is probably. What? Well, exactly. I think that the FTC has its origins on under the. That clause, the commerce um, clause. Probably the Commerce Clause would be my guess, which is contentious already. Mm -hmm. And a lot gets done under that. Right. It enshrines the federal government's ability to regulate under the commerce. I'd like this. Yes. There's these two sentences that create this humongous, vast power network, basically, like this loophole or something about interstate commerce and, and what where the government can, can, can jump in and start doing, start acting. Right. And, and it seems right. It seems completely, I mean, just completely preposterous, but they do it because the hole's there right. or the, the two sentences are there. So the FTC comes in and this a trade, the trade commission dealing with interstate commerce, I guess. I don't know. This is well, crazy. Well, mostly what they do and, is like antitrust cases, like mergers and acquisitions. It's them and the FTC, uh, or sorry, FTC and DOJ. Uh, mostly do that. And so, yeah, Lena Khan's been getting a lot of heat for that. And it's clear what they're doing. They're fishing for evidence uh, 
against somebody. They don't have a case. The case is built on all of this stuff that the mm. in this particular case that the Republicans are debunking. So they're just fishing. They're just throwing lines. They're just throwing lines while simultaneously bullying or pushing Twitter around. Twitter might be compliant. I don't know. Like they may be totally on board. Like, oh, thank you for not letting, not making us have to do it. Like now our hands are cleaned of this. Let the FBI tell us what to do. We'll, we'll walk out of this free and clear. Well, no, you know? not exactly. They even proved that's not true. So that was another thing that came up in uh, Mr. Brower's testimony about the Twitter files and the censorship and collusion between Twitter and the government was that they proved definitively, the court proved, not Republicans or Democrats, the court said that because of the government, Twitter was censoring things that would not have otherwise been censored. Because, and they asked this because right. there were questions from Twitter to the government. How do we know that the laptop is fake? Because people had concerns at Twitter about whether or not the story should be allowed. And the government said, someone, and this is so crazy because an FBI, a senior FBI agent apparently immediately responded and said, it's real. And then someone immediately, a more senior person or someone else on the call, another agent said, uh, no comment. Right. We're going to have to talk about that. So it was like, right. just right in your face. Like, so... Yeah, to your point, it's like, no, they definitely were. It's not like Twitter just washed their so hands. So Twitter would per, Twitter censorship. would permit more than yes. the, apparently the FBI. That's been proved. But at the same time, the Twitter. I'm just saying that Twitter is probably more susceptible f from more angles, you know, because they're a private company. So a private citizen have an easier time suing. A lawyer could sue them. The federal government could come down on them. The FTC could come down on them and fuck around with their business and their, oh, and their yeah. ability to make profits. You know, so it's just if if there's going to be questionable activities going on, they would they benefit from it not being on their behest. You know, yeah, in a way. But I I think that eventually, if it came out like in a you know in the wash, it would be they would actually be that would just be collusion between Twitter and the federal government. But that's my point being that the fact that. That, so what Jim Jordan said there, I think you could just listen to that quote, you know, every day, every day, just <laughs> every let that sink in. It's like a prayer. They're literally the Federal Trade Commission coming in and acting like that, trying to out journalists, trying to get Calling them out by to, name, literally. By name. That's like crazy. you basically saying, if you trust me, you do not want to be on the on the Federal Trade Commission's radar. Read a book. About, just read what those people can do. They can... They're, they're not like safe. It's like when you figure out who buys the most ammunition, you know, which branch of government, like the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS is like high on that list. They buy a lot of ammo. Oh they don't even like it doesn't make any sense. So That's you're not crazy. I'm just saying you're not it's not a it's not like better than the FBI coming after you. But even any of them is enough to be like being any of named them. by one of those organizations like this person is a problem. Like that That's what I'm saying. Crazy. That's why I'm saying yeah. Jim Jordan saying like you're brave to even show up here he's basically like you got a a laser on your back right. you know like right. like scopes almost on saying like your life is in danger like this is a really risky situation for you and if the shoe was on the other foot i just don't know this is my well let me let me point this out so if that's all legit jim jordan's being legit he's actually concerned about this this is actual evidence everything is like you know is on the up and up on what he's saying what what we're getting the message is kind of coming across here then that little synopsis that he gives his when he takes his 5 minutes is which is hilarious because the guy right before him you heard him say 
and Taibi say right before Jim Jordan speaks that, oh, well, we just have a different understanding of what this is all of this hearing is all about. The hearing is called on the weaponization of the federal government. Then Jim Jordan speaks. That is the weaponization of the federal government. We have every fucking three letter agency under the federal government involved in information warfare, mm-hmm. in information, in, in propaganda, whatever you want to call it, information. It's. It, we need to call Co- it Intel Alex Pro. Jones. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's crazy. Yeah. It, that's all. I mean, that is to me, I'm just like that. It, I'm again, no, so this is what I was going to say. I'm so skeptical. Like, I don't trust these Republicans. The most trustworthy Republican that I saw up there speak, I, I assume, based on my knowledge of these people, is Thomas Massey. The Kentucky And one. I don't, he's decent enough. He's, he's like a, He's a he's a senator in Kentucky with with Rand Paul. You know they were in that. I only ilk. trust people from the South, and I know I have a bias because I'm from the South, but also it's the South, and I feel like there's a there's a different vibe. It's more in real. The South. It's more real yeah. down here than it is other places. Like it's just there's in the South what you have, you have is more of a Christian ethic at least. Well, and you well you have you don't have you so so Georgia is like. Hartsfield Jackson Airport's in Atlanta. It's like the one of the busiest airports in the world. It's but the nobody goes in the to world. Yeah, no, but nobody goes to Georgia. I mean, but everybody goes to Georgia. But the people that are flying in and out of Hartsfield, it's our whole state. It's connecting flights. Right, it's the home sure, of Delta. Yeah. But Atlanta is our only city. It's our only big city right. that anyone knows of. Nobody knows of. Uh, no, nope, nobody knows about coming. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and so because we're totally ignored, it's like when you look at the election map of California, it's a red state, but because of the population density of certain areas, it's a blue state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But those blue specks on the map are tiny. Most everybody else is real, and I think that you, when you hear somebody from the South talk, first of all, they have the our senators are they have to be talking to us. And most of us aren't in Atlanta. Mm-hmm, and most mm-hmm. of the people in Atlanta don't talk like Southern people. I, myself, am bi-dialectical. I can put on the Southern accent or I can put on, I don't know, maybe I have a Southern accent even when I think I don't. But like now I'm, I feel like I'm talking like I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> it's but, very metropolitan in Atlanta relative to the rest of Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, these... Even that Democrat from Texas, like there's something more real about people down here. Well, I do take your point because I don't want to feel like, you know, I don't feel partisan. I'm not aligned completely with the Republicans. I just. Yeah, I'm not at all. Listen to this. And I was like, I think the Republicans are making a better case about what's going on here. Like and the Democrats, I understand some of what you're saying, but your argument falls apart in light of the evidence that the Republicans are bringing to the court or to the Congress. And you're like, because their argument is like, well, we should, we can do this effectively. Like we can do censorship correctly. And then it's like, but you can't like, and here's all this evidence of how you weren't doing it properly and how we know that there were all these negative consequences because you weren't doing it properly. And they're like, well, look at all the negative consequences of us failing to censor, like people like RFK. And you're just like, what is going on? And so then they, then they point out the negative consequences and they aren't negative consequences. 
Well, they haven't been because materialized the evidence, yet, or yeah, you just have to speculate well, the, about yeah. them. Or lie about them, like the guy we just listened to, that old dude with the mustache going, the va- because we're so heavily vaccinated here, we're, we saved millions of lives. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I'm sorry, but what did RFK just tell you? Right, right. What? Then he didn't, t- it's not like RFK told you that. It's like, that's just, that's like, that's not RFK's information. That's just data. That's just this country in Africa has hardly any vaccinated people and they have almost zero death of their black population from COVID. In our country, we have heavily vaccinated black population and the death rate is unbelievably high. Right. You have to answer that before you can make these other claims. So they're just I you're, I mean, I guess you're, I'm saying you're right. Like they're just not making a case for the censorship that they want to continue with. And that's what, so I think there's, there is an interesting line through this, a thread through this that I find strange. It makes it seem actually kind of legitimate. Like these Republicans are maybe halfway in good faith here because there have been times when the fire was on Twitter for suppressing right-wing content, essentially. And it's as if, I mean, there's something odd about this. It's like they're taking their focus away from Twitter. That a lot of this, I mean, that's like a another thing I'm kind of reading between the lines here mm. is like they're forgiving Twitter. They're like forgiving Elon for all this shit that's been going on at Twitter. Sure. Or any of the social media or tech companies, which we know that they, yeah, certain things get boosted, certain things get deboosted, the shadow banning practice at Twitter. And yeah, I think... You know, maybe there is kind of like a deflecting of that happening. I guess my thought would be immediately on that is that it's um, it's a, they have less of a case there. It's not as clear what is legal or illegal for Twitter to do in that case because it's not clear whether or not they're a private company or whether they're a public platform. And so I think that one is just more tenuous. This is like you don't you can forget about Twitter. We don't need to deal with the ambiguity of whether or not Twitter can enforce its own terms and conditions. We can say for yeah. a fact or we can that do it is it not la- the we government's job. We can do that job. later. <laughs> right. Yeah. We can do that after we can after we get I mean, how can we even know what Twitter's doing when a thousand government agencies are whispering in their ear telling them <laughs> what to do? You can't I mean, it's like you can't figure out what is on Twitter's volition and what's compelled. Right. Or yeah, their general counsel being former FBI or whatever it was, CIA, whoever that person was, yeah. That lady they were talking about? Yeah, well, there were people who worked at the FBI or people who worked at Twitter who were former government officials who were in charge of a lot of the censoring and whatnot. So it's like, even like, what is the boundary there? It's like this person works at Twitter. Yes, they're a Twitter employee right now, but they did work for the government. So you're like, and in the agencies that are whispering in their ear now. So like, what? And yeah, and the 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 whole saying goes... Once, once in the CIA, always in the CIA. Once in the FBI, always in the FBI. Right. How can you get out of that? You know things that you can never reveal to the public. And you have connections within these institutions. Right. right. These, and by the way, these unelected official, like institutions that are obviously have more influence on what's happening culturally, socially, politically than anything else than anyone else and that they should not be fuck like they just should not be doing that that is not do you it literally is like a crime novel or a uh 
a corrupt a novel a corruption novel <laughs> like and all Orwell, these institutions yeah. it is it's like what what's going on here like what are the is this is this why we created so is the CIA the FBI the DOD the Department of Justice are, are, are all of these institutions there to involve themselves in the on the question of free speech I mean on the question of Right. social media platforms this these are user interfaces for the public supposedly i mean of course of course they're not but that's the theory that's what we all believe and so if that's what we believe if that's the premise and this is what they're doing is that what you want them doing or do you want them solving murder cases sex crimes crimes against humanity basically rather than trying to form the opinions of the american people right right no, I found Which is that crazy. So, RFK thing yeah. too. We can play that in a second. But do you have something to say? You could finish your thought there. Well, because I because I'm so skeptical or cynical or red pilled or black pilled or whatever, I I I'm gonna send you a podcast. You gotta listen to it. There's this theory out there. So what I've been what this guy's out there promoting is basically like this. Uh, what was that movie we talked about? Sound of Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, that like that, for example, is misinformation. It's coming from another one of these three-letter agencies and that it's diverting the conversation and adding facts to the conversation that that are not facts. And so, mm. and this guy's come from a right-wing perspective as well. And what's interesting about it is that when I when I hear both sides of that argument – what starts emerging to me is like this interesting dialectic. And when I see this dialectic start emerging or any dialectic start emerging, I start to think of that as content for consumption. Divide and conquer. It's maybe. a, it's a, it's a chess game. Something's going on. You're meant to watch it. You're meant to watch it. And they're going to try to make you think something, push you in a direction and I think, so this guy's premise that I'm talking about, this guy that I'm talking about, his premise is basically that, and I I feel this, but I don't have the evidence for it, but I, I get a sense that he could be right, that what's coming in our future is a very intense, very strong, what will seem like reaction to all the craziness. Mm-hmm. And it will be a strong right-wing uh, resurgence that will have very strong beliefs. And maybe in these, I think they will co-opt and pull in a lot of, let's just call them like the religious kind of zealot uh, type. Fanatics or whatever, yeah. Fanatic. The kind of people that kind of like... Are actually conservative, like lower C, like just conservative type people. Or that, like the the, it's like those religious people who supported Trump, you know, is like something. It's like you don't even like match he's the savior Trump. kind of fanaticism. Yes. So I think that that there's something that seems true about that. And it, it reminds me. I keep bringing this up, so you might as well just go ahead and watch this. But The Handmaid's Tale, like that kind of a future. <laughs> I mean, it's an extreme version. No, I need to watch but this. It's like this. It's like this uh, right wing reaction that's reacting to what appear to be very true things. So it's difficult 
for principled people not to accept it. Hmm. You know, so but then you react too far or something or too hard or leads you into the wrong decision. What's you the get us you still end up with a totalitarianism. Mm, yeah. But it's a totalitarianism that fr- from the from the from its inception seems more seems in line with freedom, seems more tolerable, seems proper, seems correct. And I don't know if that's I think that's probably bad. I just I see something weird emerging in all of this because it is it's definitely accelerating. This stuff is extremely damning and it's really weird to see members of the federal government pointing out the federal government as the problem. Yes. And I think there may even be a level of this that's like like you may think let's let's just assume that I I don't I don't know anything about this. Let's just say that the F we're going to abolish the FBI. Well, what go what baby gets thrown out with that bathwater is another question. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I've said this before that there's a difference between like ab- abolition and reform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that these institutions should exist. Therefore, let's just reform them. I'm saying that they do exist. So when you abolish them, you you're pulling bricks out of a wall. Right, there's a vacuum. You're pulling that bricks needs to out of a foundation. Almost. Either you either leave a vacuum or you create an instability. You leave mm-hmm. a, even if or let's we keep calling it a vacuum, but a vacuum that may be filled or a vacuum that's left unfilled and that sucks everything into it. Yeah, and no, I could that believe could this. Be, I'm worried too. You know, I mean, so that would be because that would be a great communist plot. Like, here's how you destroy this country. This right here. I mean, potentially, this yeah, hearing, this kind of stuff, where it comes from, yeah, whether it's another country or communist or whatever, but yeah, I do. Yeah, that was just an example. I don't. I'm not saying I think it's like the some communist coup. I'm just saying that, like, yeah. if you took that perspective, you could see all of what's happening. Even though we feel like the truth is being revealed to us, or we actually have someone fighting for us finally, what you really actually have is a crumbling of your entire civilization happening right, right before your eyes. Your whole system that that is there in place rather than just pointing out the fact and because you can't do it if you if there's going to be 100 percent disagreement you can't move forward that's the whole point that's brought up over and over again is that we find the truth through discussion but what we're seeing is there is no discussion right right exactly no it makes me very nervous and yeah to your point it's like i don't know what's going on i mean yeah, is the fe- why is the federal government pointing its finger at itself? It's like that's very absurd. Like, when has the federal government ever done that? Um, and yeah, and I, I am agreeing with the Republicans for, for the most part on yeah, like the censorship is ridiculous and it's documented and it's real and it needs to stop. But I also don't identify as a Republican. And honestly, if I had to identify, I want to be like a Democrat. Like I'm liberal in a sense like I want people to have freedoms like I want equal rights for everyone to do whatever they want but it's like it's almost like I feel like that's why it's so frustrating and I think that the Democrats get so much heat from everyone because it's like it's the party I think that appeals to most people like most people are like live and, and I let think live. that you come from I think that just to like put people's minds at ease about you saying that you could be a Democrat it's like it's it's your argument for that I think is like based on like that that thing we played in one of our po- most recent podcasts with David Harvey, that Marxist uh, geographer, who's like, hey, 
here's some situations. Here's how capital is behaving right now. Here's how in capital we say, you know, this is like a who who supports capitalists? Well, the right wing unapologetically do. Right. And maybe you should maybe you can be a Demo- there's lots of Democrats that are capitalists, but they're not but they're apologetic. Let's so when we say it's not just sticky wages, for example, but the, the the Democrats are supposed to be for the workers, for the people, and they always couch every solution as if it's like helping the little guy. I mean, it never is, but that's how they couch it. And they sh- and if that's going to be their prerogative, then that isn't like, like that. That's in a sense, it's like a laudable prerogative. If wages end up being sticky for some reason, or if American companies are geographically relocating and doing all of in the financial capital is enslaving people essentially into some system that traps capitalists and the the workers at the same time into the same financial system this is like the democrats ought to be the ones to well, anybody ought to do it but the democrats you would think ought to be the ones that say hey hang on a second like that's too much let's let's address this for a second like you're hurting the people you know the demos the which is what the democrats are supposed to be all about so they're shooting themselves in the foot right it's almost like they've been co-opted that's what i'm like why is it like the democratic party has been co-opted by these radicals i'm like this these are radical positions and it makes the republicans sound sensible and i'm like but some of these positions are also that's the scary that's the scary part. They are radical too. If the shoe were on the other foot, if instead of Biden's corruption being exposed, it was Donald Trump's corruption being exposed, the Democrats would be behaving like the Republicans in this case, and the Republicans would be behaving as the Democrats did. Right. That's just and a fact. And we've seen that. That's yeah, just a past. fact. Yeah. Oh, every single time. Listen to any hearing. Whoever's in the hot seat gets the sympathy, and the other right. side sounds like a bunch of idiots, and they're rude. Not every time, but very often. I mean, I will say that from when when I watch these, which is not often, but I have watched them. (laughs) I remember the James Comey hearing. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I do think that the... I don't know why this is exactly, but I'll just say that I think it is a fact that the Republicans, maybe they just make better lawyers there's something about the institutional ideology that allows them to more easily make principled arguments. Maybe. they. A lot of them also are lawyers. Like that one from Louisiana was a constitutional lawyer in a past life. Which so. you could tell. Yes. Yeah. He was able to, he was able, he knew how to speak quickly, make the points. The guy he was interviewing was able to respond quickly and they just, it was like a concert. But I mean, yeah, it makes me really nervous because the Republican Party has done crazy things I mean, in the past. Yeah. They've at least they've initiated some of the craziest stuff. You know, yeah. George Bush was a quote unquote Republican, and there may be maybe there's factions within it because I think Thomas Massey's good. He used to be better. I think, and this is what I think might be happening. When you see these good guys go bad, this is something I wanted. To, I didn't know we'd talk about it today, but it's fine. Like when you see these good guys go less good or go bad, I think what happens this is total speculation. I wrote this down somewhere. I this think, enough, folks, got these, some total speculation about to happen. <laughs> so we we talked about this. We we've got to look into this. We have got to look into this. 
the CNP. Is that what it's called? It's like that the family thing. Remember we talked oh. about the conservative national Party policy or something. Whatever, or, oh, okay, yeah. There's something State that's Street like the family. No, that's a thing. But they've called it. There, yeah, the family has had a lot of different names. That's why I'm getting mixed up because they've changed the names over the course of time. But yes. Yeah. So there's this there's this conservative esque party that like is in the vein, and and apparently a lot of people are part of it including like that are associated with it, including possibly RFK, including lots of Republicans and Mm -hmm. Democrats. I mean, but it seems to have this interesting conservative tilt. So I think what might happen when these people get into power, they always say this about the president, you get into power, they show you the real footage of the JFK assassination. They go, you don't want this to happen to you, right? So we run the show. We tell you what's up. And that's just that. And if, unless you oh want your God. head to be blown off, this is how it goes. So people think that might Whoa. be happening on the presidential level. But on this on this other level where some power actually does lie in these con- congressmen, senators, what have you, uh, even district attorneys perhaps, I don't know. You get in and then you get shown something. Maybe what you get shown seems good. You get shown this, maybe the CNP or whatever this group is called, as if you're a Republican, but you've been leaning libertarian and you've been saying a lot of things that none of the other Republicans will say for some reason, these establishment guys, because the establishment guys, maybe maybe they're just already read in. So these guys come in and they go, look, look, uh, Rand, Paul, look, Thomas Massey. We've had this thing going on for a long time. You've been here for a little while. We've had our eye on you, you know. We just want you to know we really believe in what you're doing, and we think that you're right on, but there's a lot more going on than you think, than you know. Let us tell you, and they give you some occulted knowledge, you know, it's like a, like a, like a, like a cult, like a, like the Freemasons or something, like the Illuminati. We we have this occulted knowledge. You don't know about it. Everybody, this is my, this is my thing. Everyone is susceptible to that. Okay. I mean, almost everybody is susceptible to a mystery. Yeah. to a, a greater calling, to a big thing, to a secret, to whatever. And so they go, look, we're moving in the same direction you are. This is our goal, but you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you don't know all these things. Let us tell you some of these secrets. And because they, because we're all susceptible to a good story, which we all are, we everyone is susceptible to a story. Yeah. They believe it. And they... And but but the thing about it is, it's like this whole thing is: is it three degrees of Freemasonry? Is it thirty degrees? Is it thirty-two degrees? Thirty-three degrees? Is there something beyond the thirty-third degree? When do you have all the knowledge? That's the great mystery, you know. So you are just given enough to convince you of the story, and behind the scenes, you're still a pawn, and you don't know it, and you become more of a pawn by placating to this occult group, this unelected deep state, these three-letter agencies, whatever they are, these NGOs, as Jim Jordan pointed out, all sorts of organizations that we don't even know about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You never even heard of the CMP. So you're you don't saying... even know about them, but 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 they're so powerful. And that's true. We know they are. If you just look at what the people that research this have discovered, those people have influence. Some of the highest levels of power touch the hand of these, kiss the ring of these people. And you don't even know their names. Right. So you're saying there could be something similar for these conservatives 
that there's some whatever you were saying republican national that might be or, why they make better it it might be why they make better arguments it could be because they they get to continue to believe their beliefs aren't taken away from them they're added to so they can speak more freely you know what i'm saying so you you can still stand up for free speech but make sure we do it in this context, at this way, at this time, in this hearing, or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe. It seems like, yeah, we need to look into it. I just, it sounds Otherwise, it sounds out there. I'm totally, it's totally speculation. But I, it just, there's, what you see is never what you get. It's all, there's always more than meets the eye. I agree, yeah. There seems something maybe else is going on. And I don't know about the RFK thing. I mean... There's some stuff that's confusing about his background. I want to trust the guy, but then, yeah, even the Democrats in that hearing brought up like some super PAC that was tied to Republican candidates that's funding him, and he didn't know about it, and then he had to correct the record that they are connected to him, or, you know, it was a weird thing. So, yeah, I mean, it does seem like weird stuff is going on. Um, and, yeah, I don't know what the purpose of it all is because, I yeah, like I said, I don't want radical conservatism and i also don't want uh chaos like i don't want the government to split apart and i thought that was one of the most prescient things that rfk said was like we can't have a country where we're just tearing each other apart like the left is tearing into the right and the right is tearing into the left and we we have to find somewhere that we can meet in the middle because i think that's when we're most susceptible to if there is like a deep state or people like bad actors, people who aren't the government who want to control the government, when we are most divided as a government along partisan lines, that's when we're most susceptible, I feel like, to those sorts of influences. If we want to continue to be a badass, peaceful, profitable land of opportunity, this cannot be the main focus. We, ha we want to be able to live a life where we don't have to think about any of this stuff. We right, don't need to, right. because this is like, this kind of shit affects everything. Investors, if, imagine if you were like a billionaire investor and you had to figure out what the future of this country is. It's stock markets, it's financial, it's political power, it's standing in the world. You don't even, what are you going to do? You don't know. You have to, if, if you're not read in somewhere, you got to be really careful. And that creates a contraction. Right. And so- we don't want to be thinking about this kind of stuff all the time. This doesn't need to be happening all the time or everything will just contract and get worse. Right. But it's not like we've exhausted the resources of this country. We just have to get the boot off the neck of people. Yeah. We should be dealing with the fact that it's illegal to cut people's hair without a, a license. That's the kind of political discourse we should be fighting for. These little things on local levels and, 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 and that affect your life, not this psychotic global agenda <laughs> the most glaring problem like the largest most egregious error yeah that's yeah like the cornerstone the of the entire structure yeah. is being ripped out from the from the ground it's like this is insanity insanity yeah well i so. have to go but i did want to to get the record straight let's just play this rfk thing where he talks about the covid stuff because that way we can have the record cleared this is astounding to me. Mr. Thomas Kennedy, Massey again. can you talk about the uh, censorship 
the effort of the White House and pharma to suppress the acknowledgement of natural immunity and, and why they might have been doing that? Well, again, it, it was an effort uh, to suppress information, not uh, the, in fact, if you read the Twitter files and the email correspondence at, uh, between Facebook and the White House, there was an acknowledgement that they were being asked and they were complying with censoring information that everybody knew to be true or highly likely to be true. Oh, the purpose, and in fact, the term misinformation did not denote uh, falsehood or, or veracity. Rather, it was a euphemism mm -hmm. for any information that departed from government orthodoxies. And it is very dangerous. And you know, uh, uh, the congressman a minute ago said a million people have died because of mis misinformation about vaccines in this country. But in fact, our country had the worst, had one of the highest vaccination rates in the world and the worst health outcomes. We have 4.2% of the global population. We had 16% of the COVID deaths. Blacks in Haiti with a 1% vaccination rate were dying at a rate of 15 per million population. And same in Nigeria, had a 1.3 vaccination rate. They were dying at one in 14 per million population, 14 per million population. In our country, blacks were dying at 3,000 per million population, 200 times the death rates in other countries. And this holds throughout the world. We needed information. We should have all been sharing information openly and, and talking to the 15 million doctors through the internet who were treating patients on the front line all over the world and channeling the best therapies, the most successful treatments so that we could all figure it out. We, this is not a time in a pandemic to, uh, to you know, I'll just say this one thing. Trusting the experts is not a function of science. It's not a function of democracy. It's a function of religion and totalitarianism, and it does not make for a healthier population. Let, let me ask you. So. Yeah. RFK for president. <sighs> I just. He's good. He's good. I thought, yeah, there's some facts. So it's like. Like, I just don't even feel like we are agreeing on the facts. And if that's true, then what that congressperson said cannot also be true. Um, Where is the answer to that? Why is there no rebuttal? Yeah. Why is the left keep, why do they keep talking? Why do they keep running their, their mouths in this hearing? Not addressing what he said, because everything could hinge. They should have a hearing on that statement alone. Right, right. Let's get just to the on that of statement. This. Explain this. But the problem is, we're already past that. Those people are already dead. These people already have the fucking heart dart vaccine. So it's too fucking late, to be honest. <laughs> it's just too fucking late. Yeah. They, people already did this. This is already done. So now what we have to figure out is what the the question here is: Will this shit? ever happen again and the democ the republicans or at least rfk is saying this should never happen again and the democrats are making excuse after excuse after excuse for why it was okay necessary good and why it should remain a policy continue. remain yeah. in place continue these practices that is all that is the only we're point not doing enough that they made yeah that fucking idiot senator or whatever he was 
brings up tweets about the N-word. D- bro, like that does not matter. That's f- irrevelant to the fact that the this vaccine that was people. hoisted on the world, the shutdowns that almost crumbled the entire fucking economy, you, that these vaccines that apparently appear to have killed millions of people, uh, <laughs> that matters. Speechless. That's what matters. Yeah. Well, this isn't a conversation about whether or not you could say the N-word. You can say the N-word. Say it. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant to the fact here. Yeah. And Well, that's their it, whole thing. It's like, we're not doing enough. It's like, that was enough censoring, and we should be doing more. Like, you shouldn't even be allowed to say what you're saying here. We should be doing more censorship. <laughs> and it's like... They, sen- these Democrat senators come along and actually say out of their mouth, that fucking guy, we just watched him, the mustache man, that does says we understand this differently, says that it saved, that the vaccine saved millions of lives. Right, right. One of these people is perjuring themselves. Right. They can't both be true. Yes. They cannot both be true. So in the the most terrifying aspect of the whole thing, other than the FTC thing, is that this is a dividing line. If you make this a dividing line, the solution is going to be terrifying. Yes. Because well, you're going to give insert. You're going to put too much give fucking ungodly powers to the people to one group or the other. And you get the same outcome. Right. Well, the line cannot be truth. It can't be that one party represents truth and one party represents just claims of falsehood. Like that is not a a country that we can move forward together. Like we can have different perspectives on how certain policies should be implemented, what's best for the community, what's best for the individuals within that community. We can't have parties that one side thinks that yeah, that evidence is real and the Hunter Biden laptop was a real laptop. And then the other side thinks, oh, no, none of that evidence is real. Uh, the laptop never existed. Like we were never censoring people. It's like that. What are you saying, Democrats? Like you have got to get it together. Like you can't look at the tweets and then just dismiss them. Like be like that. Well, that doesn't exist. And it's like, what? It's, I can't. I, I wish I could. T- I wish one of us was a, an ardent Democrat or something, so we could understand the perspective. Like, what does a Democrat think? And unfo- I don't even know any anymore. I like. I have family that I think think of them like kind of like you. Like, I think I'm a Democrat, but then you show them some of the stuff. Like, if I show them this, they then what happens is they think with their mind. And they come to a conclusion that confuses them. And so I don't even have that example to draw from because when confronted with this kind of stuff, it's it's not clear. I can't I just don't know. Like, is it my mind? Like, am I just partisan or something like because I can't imagine listening to the like. Yeah. So you have Democrats like going like this, you know, nodding their heads as the Democrats are speaking. What are you nodding at? I, I, I honestly like seriously, I want to know what. What is what are you being persuaded by when that guy comes on and says right after Kennedy tells you these facts about how the vaccines? I mean, this is censorable, but I'm just saying like he's basically saying these vaccines kill people. OK, so or something like that. Something happened. Something is wrong with the argument. So what when the when the next guy comes on, the Repu- the Democrat comes on and says these vaccines <clears throat> saved millions of lives and the and all the Democrats are going. Yes, yes. I I just I honestly want to know what are you nodding about? What 
are what is the what are you hearing what what is the persuasive thing coming out of like it must be hitting you differently you must be hearing that differently yeah and And i just don't know what you're hearing because yeah there's some parts of it that i'm like yeah there are some things that you're talking about that are true but i feel like you're conflating what the other side or what the republicans are saying with those things and i don't think that's true like when she brought up the point, the, maybe the straw man thing. Yeah, it's like, like they're just building straw men, and they're saying, "Well, the this is why we need to keep censoring, right?" Because people say the N word, and it's like, "Well, wait a minute, we weren't talking about that, right?" Like the ranking member brought up that like superhuman subhuman thing, and then she goes on later to talk about the Tuskegee experiments. Like, well, black people have been characterized in the past as like having, you know, better genetics, and that has been a justification not to give them medical treatments. And she's like, that's wrong. And I'm like, that is wrong. Like, no one should be subjected to that, whether they're black or whatever identity. But that's not what RFK was saying. And also, that, aside from that, it's like we're talking about government censorship of things completely unrelated to that. You know, so it's like, I mean, I do hear some of, like, things that I react to, like, emotionally. That I'm like, that would be wrong. But I don't think that that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that is it. That because everything that the Democrats brought up was diversionary. I mean, it was to pull your attention away from what was just said. And and like that lady from Texas, she was blatant about it. That's why I liked her because she was wearing her <laughs> honesty on her sleeves, whether she knew it or not. Which she was, was like, I got a death threat oh, right so after the last hearing. Yeah. So you're having a threesome with them? Uh-huh. Oh, so, uh, oh, by the way, are you being paid to be here? You know, it's like, okay, this is called ad hominem, and it's like a straw man ad hom. Like, you're literally just, and it, it, the answer is no, but you're just, this is the kind of argumentation that they're coming out with, which is completely emotional, which actually makes it look, makes the Republicans look very, very authentic and genuine in this case. Well, it makes them that's look what it sensible. Makes it look like. And that's the thing that really gets me. It's like, because I do think there are some legitimate things the Democrats bring up and they can be sensible people, but you can't be sensible when you just refuse to argue the Republicans on these points. It's like what you're saying. It's like they, all of it's ad hominem. It's like no refutation of central claims are being made. It's like Republicans are making central claims about censorship. And it's like, OK, well, you could refute those, but you're not. Instead, we're talking about racism in America. And it's like, look, I we can go there. We can have that discussion. But that's not what this is about. And by the way, there's black people on RF, sitting right behind RFK while RFK is talking, nodding their heads. Yes. So that's not like I mean, it's like racist to even bring up the racist argument because you're implying that like blacks are on our side, which is not true. Like they're not just a big clump of people that you just get to wield as a as a weapon because it's just not. And right, it's just, it's right. like literally it's like remember when Biden said it's like the perfect analogy, it, like it. This is like metaphysical that he said this. He said, if you'll remember, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Oh, my God. Basically saying if you're black and don't vote for me, then you're not. It's a a flub. He probably didn't mean to say that. But that is exactly how it's that's a Freudian slip is what that's called. Right. The truth came out. The pig that wants to be eaten. Okay. well, that's like that. Kamala Harris came out and said recently she was like, they're rewriting the history books uh, to teach that slavery somehow benefited uh, black and brown people benefited us. And then I was just like, people were commenting all about You're Jamaican. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we literally have a U.S. 
vice president, like one of the most powerful people in the world, claiming that she has more in common with the oppressed, slaves, like people who have been enslaved, than she does with powerful people, the elites. And you're like, that is gaslighting. Think, it's not gaslighting. I think Kamala Harris, yeah, she is a, a what we call a stoner. <laughs> I think she smokes drugs. too much pot. Oh, my God. Yes. She's, there's two quotes that I heard her that I've heard from her that indicate absolutely and emphatically she smokes pot. No. The two quotes are one is where she goes The thing about Russia is that Russia is a very big country and the Ukraine is a very small country. Like she's explaining something you've never heard before because she's high and she (laughs) is having a novelty experience where she thinks that the thought that she's having is deep. This is called novelty seeking illusions of grandeur. She also recently said a very similar quote about AI. She said, AI, something like this, AI is very complicated. AI is actually two words. It stands for artificial intelligence. That's She said that because she's high. (laughs) And (laughs) she thinks, again, that she's having a novel experience and thinks that she's exposing something that's actually very interesting, but she's not. She's just saying what every five-year-old knows, that AI means artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. We've known that since before artificial intelligence even existed. There's been, I mean, like, there's a movie from like 20 years ago called AI. I I mean, I'm pretty sure we all get it. Honestly, that's a charitable reading. I thought you were being kind of defamatory, but... I mean, I, it would almost be more defamatory to be like, no, she was completely sober when she said those things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh Let me see. Kamala Harris. Anyway, no, AI. we don't have time for this. I got to go. I know exactly Close. what you're talking about. Send the clips. We can put them in there. Uh, I don't even think. Oh, we I'm need sorry. To. I found the quote. I think the first part of the issue that should be articulated is that AI is kind of a fancy thing. First of all, <laughs> it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence, but ultimately, dot, 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 it's about machine learning. Yeah, okay. It's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. But uh, anyways, anyway. so good times. Good times. This will be an interesting right. episode. Oh, oh.